Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace, your mercy that is given to us because of your resurrection. We thank you that is new for us every morning. Lord, we ask that you would open your word to us now, open our hearts and our minds to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was reading the New York Times earlier this week, and I saw the headline that the phone call is making a comeback. The phone call is making a comeback. For any of you over the age of 35, that probably sounds like a strange headline. It did to me. You know, geezers like us remember telephones that hung on the kitchen wall that had, like, buttons and actual cords and stuff, you know. And, uh, but with the advent of the smartphone and texting, plain old voice calls have been going out of fashion for years. For all of you younger folks out there, you know, using our phones to actually call somebody is just weird. That's something your dad does, right? That's what dads do. But uh, apparently not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, Verizon said that they are handling more than 800 million calls a day in this time, which is more than double what happens on Mother's Day. And Mother's Day, as you know, is, uh, you know, historically the busiest of call days because everybody's got to call mom. You've got to call mom on Mother's Day. But now we're not calling mom out of obligation. We are calling mom out of need. It's one of the impacts of the coronavirus pandemic that it's had on all of us, is we want to hear each other's voices. You know, we need to hear another voice. A text just won't do anymore. We need to talk. Just like Stevie sang back in 1984, you know, I just called to say I love you. I just called to say how much I care, right? We need to hear a voice. The orders to shelter at home, to, uh, to not socialize in the normal ways that we're used to. You know, we're not going to the office. We're not coming to the church building like we normally do. Uh, we're not chatting at the grocery store. We're not hanging out over the barbecue or at the park or having any play dates, anything like that. All of it has increased our sense of isolation. And it's made us desperate for real connection with each other. Now, the Rolling Stones predicted this, all right? They predicted this back in 1967. You didn't know this, but Mick Jagger has a prophetic gift. And uh, just listen to this, all right? Connection. I just can't make no connection. But all I want to do is to get back to you. It gets better. Everything is going in the wrong direction. The doctor wants to give me more injections, more shots for the rare infections, and I don't know if he'll let me go. Connection. I just can't make no connection, but all I want to do is to get back to you. Now, you may, you know, you may disagree with me. Definitely don't quote me, but I think Mick Jagger has a prophetic gift. And uh, it's either that or there's not many words in the English dictionary that rhyme with connection. So he was going with infection and injection. But either way, he predicted this. And uh, if you have a loved one, if you have a loved one that's in the hospital, like Kate and I have had during this time, or if you have a loved one that's in a nursing home or in assisted living, then you know this feeling, right? Or if you are in the hospital right now, or if you are in a nursing home watching this right now, then you know this feeling, how isolating this time feels. There's no visitors allowed, right? 
this need for connection. This pandemic has only magnified that need for us. Connection. I just can't make no connection. But all I want to do is get back to you. It's a confusing time that we're in. It's a painful time. It's a world-turned-upside-down time. This, this coronavirus pandemic has shaken our world to the core. It's not what any of us expected 2020 to be like, right? I mean, when you were making your New Year's resolutions, I am sure it didn't have anything to do with dealing with a pandemic or making face masks, right? This wasn't in any of our plans. This was not what we had hoped for. In Luke 24 today, we catch up with two of Jesus' disciples as they are, it's still Easter day, and they are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's the day of the resurrection, and we hear them dealing with the fact that uh, what they had hoped for, what they had expected to happen, had not come to pass, at least from their point of view. They were talking about everything that transpired in Jerusalem that weekend as they walked on the road, namely Jesus' crucifixion, his cross, and then the stories of the empty tomb that they had heard that morning from Mary and the other women. But it's clear that they didn't understand any of it. In fact, right before our passage, Luke sums up how the disciples received the women. They considered them idle tales, and they did not believe them. They didn't think that any of this fit together. And then Jesus shows up and joins them on the road. And he does his Jedi mind trick, right? These aren't the droids you're looking for. Except for, in this case, he says, you will not recognize me. And he asks them what they're talking about. You know, hey guys, what's going on? Super casual Jesus walking on the road with them here. As if he didn't know, right? Why does he do this? Well, we're going to get back to that. Cleopas is one of the two walking on the road, and he tells Jesus the whole story, the gospel according to Cleopas. And he says, we had hoped that Jesus of Nazareth was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. There it is. You can hear their conclusion. There's no way he could have been. There's no way he could have been the one. He was crucified as a criminal. He was hung on a tree, cursed under the law. Can you hear the chorus in the background? Connection. I just can't make no connection. But all I want to do is to get back to you. They thought Jesus was going to redeem Israel. They thought that he was going to deliver them from the oppressive Romans, from their hypocritical Jewish leaders, They thought he was going to set things right, that he was going to change things. But he didn't, from their perspective. Turns out they actually wanted the wrong thing when it came down to it. They thought they knew what redemption meant, but they really didn't. You can hear them. They have this glimmer of hope uh, when they talk about the resurrection story from the women. Maybe he's coming back. But then they reference Peter and John as they ran to the tomb and found it empty. And what do they conclude? We hear Cleopas say it. He says, but him they did not see. We had hoped, but him they did not see. And they were back to that feeling of isolation, back to that pain of disconnection. Amazingly, Jesus gives them the time and the space to feel this pain. 
This is why he played dumb before. You know, he wants them to connect first in a different way. He wants them to connect with their disappointment. He's an amazing pastor. I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus was a great pastor, the best, actually. And uh, he knows that when people are grieving, the best thing to do is to listen. And he gives them the space to connect with their feelings. He says, what are you guys talking about? And he lets them share the whole story. He knows he want, they, they need to connect so that they can process it and move through it, so they can be ready to receive what he's about to say. It's just another picture of how the Lord cares for us. At the same time, he makes them wait, and he waits, because there's something he wants them to see first before they see him as physically risen. He wants them to see him in the scriptures first. He voices his frustration at first, you know, with their unbelief and their misunderstanding. But he says, wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And here we have the issue. The stumbling block. The stumbling block for the disciples in that time. The stumbling block for most people in the world. It's the cross. Jesus suffering. Didn't the Christ have to suffer? Paul says it later on in his letters that this is foolishness to the world. It doesn't make any sense. What kind of savior is this that would come and suffer? Surely this cannot be redemption. And so what does Jesus do? He opens up the whole Bible to them. It's important to remember that the Bible at this time was the Old Testament. Right? That's their Bible. This is the beginning of the New Testament that they're living. And so Jesus takes the Old Testament and opens it all to them, and he shows them that he is all through it. It is all pointing to him, the law and the prophets. And he shows them through the scriptures what redemption really meant, which we're going to return to in a moment. The reason why Jesus wants them to recognize him in the scriptures first and foremost is because that's what they will use when they show him to everyone else. This is a major emphasis of Luke's gospel, actually. The need for a preacher. The need to hear someone who understands that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. The need to hear someone tell you that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the New Testament. It's like an actual voice call on your phone. You need to hear it. We need to hear Jesus preach to us. And that's exactly what Luke is doing in this gospel. He is preaching to Theophilus. He wants him to hear and to know. And this is Jesus' plan. He knows that he is not going to stay around for his followers to sit there and point to and say, Oh, here he is. He's risen. Jesus. They wouldn't have to do much work, right? Jesus knows that he's going to ascend. He is, he's got to leave. He says it in John, I must leave. He knows that they will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And it will be their job to help others see him risen through the scriptures, through the preached word. That's how you and I know him, after all. That's why we're here worshiping him, is because we've heard. Someone told us. Someone preached to us. And now, we are all called to be preachers, to go and to share him with the world. 
it's very clear that Jesus was an effective preacher. So Jesus was a great pastor, you know that now, and he was also a great preacher. So he, he preaches to them to the point where they are desperate for him to stay with them, right? They say that their hearts burned within them as they listen to him open the scriptures. And the funny thing is Jesus just looks like he's going to keep on going, you know? He's tricky like that, Jesus. And um, they strongly urge him to stay with them, and he does. And that's when he stops using his Jedi mind trick on them. He chooses to reveal himself to them physically resurrected. He sits with them at table. He takes the bread and he blesses it. And then he breaks the bread and gives it to them. And their eyes are opened. Why did he wait till this moment? Now we're going to return to what redemption really means. There are two things that are happening here in this breaking of the bread. After this encounter, we hear that Cleopas and his companion drop whatever they were intending to do in Emmaus in that very moment, and they run back to Jerusalem seven miles to report to the others, right? And what do they say to them? They tell them that the Lord was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And when he broke that bread, their eyes were open to finally see how he actually did that. As he has said on Monday, Thursday, the week before, he broke bread and poured wine for his disciples, and he said to them, this is my body and this is my blood, which is given for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. The redemption of his people comes through his suffering. It was necessary for the Christ to suffer these things. Redemption is about the forgiveness of sins. It's not about political deliverance. That may be a fruit of it at times, but it's really about the forgiveness of sins. Jesus was broken for us so that we might be forgiven. And that results in the second part, the second thing that's happening in this moment, the connection that they had been longing for that we are longing for. Jesus breaks the bread with them, and it is a picture of full fellowship. It's a picture of intimacy. Jesus wants them to recognize him through the breaking of the bread, the forgiveness of sins, and the intimacy that it is one. This is the full picture. He explained the scriptures to them to equip them so that they could be his witnesses, and then he reveals himself to them in full fellowship giving himself to them in the meal. Remember last week, we heard on Good Friday that the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And here we see the resurrection fruit of that. Full fellowship between God and humanity. Sinners welcomed to the Lord's table. This is that connection, that connection that we're all desperate for. All I want to do is to get back to you. Jesus Christ has taken our sin from us. He's put it to death in his body. He buried it in the tomb, and he left it there forever. Now, we are forgiven. You are forgiven. Now, we are free to live with him, to enjoy full fellowship with him. There's no more shame, no more condemnation, 
No more fear. This doesn't mean that it's always simple. The plain truth is that even this story points to the ongoing reality of longing that we live with today still. We're still waiting for the full consummation of everything, right? This side of heaven, there's still going to be longing, waiting for him to return. We're not sitting with Jesus physically at his table right now. We're waiting for him to come back and to take us home to be with him forever. And as we wait, we are often reminded of the pain in us and around us. That's what we opened with, that this pandemic has done this for all of us right now. It has has put it in high relief for us. The, The reminder of our fragility, the unpredictability of life, and the fact that none of us are in control. We can't even enjoy the Lord's Supper right now the way we normally would do on a Sunday to remember this, to remember those words of Jesus uh, instituting the communion for us. But we know that we will again. We see our brokenness and we see the brokenness of this world, but we have the promise that the brokenness will not last. It has an end date on it. And we get to experience now, we get to experience in him bringing us into more and more healing right now. That's what this life of Christianity is. It's having him opening up the pain and showing us how he's met us there and heals us there. Giving us that time and space to feel and connect with where we're hurting so that he can speak into it and heal it. So whatever the pain is that you feel right now, whatever your fears are right now, However, you might be suffering in this time of disconnection. The good news is that Jesus uses even that to bring us back to himself. We don't have to be afraid of the pain because he's going to open it up to show us how he meets it, how he heals it, how he fills our emptiness. And he does this through us. He does this through you and me, his preachers. When you're in doubt, when you're afraid, pick up your phone and make an actual voice call and call one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Tell them about your need. Tell them what your pain is and listen to them tell you the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let them speak to you the words of resurrection, of Easter, of the cross, of forgiveness. We all need a preacher every day, every day. Let's keep telling each other. Let's keep connecting each other with the fact that Jesus is all that we ever hoped for. He is the redemption for his people, for you and for me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are risen. Lord, we thank you that you conquered death for us. You conquered sin for us. You took it into your body and you put it to death. And I thank you, Lord, that the fruit of that is we have full fellowship with you now. You have redeemed us by being broken for us and you have given us yourself. And I thank you, Lord, for inviting us into that new life, that new relationship. And Lord, that you have made us your preachers. We ask Jesus that you would use us, even in this strange time, that you would use us to be messengers of your awesome good news, 
for those who are hurting and those who are broken, that we would be speaking your truth and that we would help people make that connection with you. Lord, we give you praise and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.